Good afternoon, morning, evening, wherever you are listening to this wonderful program. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This is The Rant. Um, big episode today. We got lots to talk about. Uh, first off, I want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, I know it's not in the most ideal circumstances. I know usually, you know, if you're a kid, this is when the pool is open and when summer is right around the corner. And obviously, we've had kind of a uh, different turn of events. But still, if you're planning on grilling out, you know, in your backyard or something and still enjoying that uh, that weekend, I highly encourage that. You know, Memorial Day is an awesome holiday, not be, not just because of the day off, obviously, but we're, you know, we're honoring uh, the men and women who served in the military and died. Um defending freedom so that's always an awesome thing so again enjoy your memorial day weekend moving on we have a lot a lot to talk about um we have proposed new deals to bring sports back um the newest one being the nhl has a proposed 24 uh team playoff format and we'll get into that in just a little bit that is obviously stirring the pot. A lot of people are talking about it. I don't talk about the NHL a lot on this program as I am a hockey fan, but I am not a hockey quote unquote expert. And I definitely align myself way more to knowing the ins and outs of football. I enjoy watching hockey. Uh, I'm a huge Penguins fan, but I know where uh, to draw the line and saying what I know about hockey is way less than what I know about football. And so that's why this show is pretty much targeted towards the NFL and football talk. And we do talk about other big issues in sports. And that is why we will talk about the NHL today, because this basically is going to be the first team sport league to essentially open back up if the players uh, union agrees to this 2014 playoff format. So we'll just go ahead and we'll give you, um, I put out on my Twitter. So if you go to follow me on Twitter at the rant, Eli, you can see that I tweeted out the football, um, sorry, the NHL's proposed, uh, playoff format. So here it is, um, a 24 team playoff format. Basically, what happens is you have the top four teams in each of the East and the West play for seeding, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I think that's just more or less to get people to watch more games. So instead of just going right to the playoffs, uh, teams are obviously going to be able to practice and wait. Um, and then we'll have this, I guess, this round robin seeding where um, so the top four East teams, that would be Boston, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Washington Capitals and Philadelphia all are playing um, basically for their proper seating on the Eastern bracket. And then you have uh, St. Louis, the Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars all competing in their round robin for their respective seeds. So then you have on either side of the bracket, um, this is how it, how it would go. So it's a play-in round. So I'm assuming that means it's a one-game play-in round. I don't know if how... I mean, there's a lot to debate on all the rules and all this. Um, 
Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a three-game play-in series. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not 100% on the up and up with all the rules. I'm trying to learn it as fast as I can. This is breaking news from yesterday, and they finally released a picture of the format, and that's what I'm trying to convey to you over the you know waves of the internet and radio. So, again, on the eastern side, you have, Ta- you have Toronto, who would face off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the winner of that, those are the eight and nine seeds out of the 24. Um, so eight and nine would then play the number one seed in the East. Uh, the winner of that round would play the number one seed. And that seeding again is completely determined by the top four teams playing for their respective seeding in a round Robin. So whoever wins the most games obviously becomes the number one, two, three, four as follows. So then, so eight plays nine for the play in and that's Toronto and Columbus five plays 12, which is Pittsburgh and um, Montreal. And then seven plays 10, which is the Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. And six plays 11, which is the Carolina Hurricane and the New York Rangers. Now, going to the other side of the West, you have the uh, Calgary Flame would play uh, Winnipeg for the right to play the one seed. And that's the eight and the nine. Then you have the five and the 12, who are the Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers are playing the Chicago Blackhawks. And then the winner of that plays the four seed. And then the seven and the 10, so that is the Vancouver Canucks and the Minnesota Wild play, and the winner of that goes and faces the number two seed in the West. And then you have six and 11, which is the Nashville Predators versus the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, the winner of that plays the three seed. Again, the winners of those rounds going into the next seed, again, the seeds for one, two, three, and four are all predetermined by um, a round robin in order to play in for their seeding. It's a little confusing. I understand that. They're trying to do it the best they can to make it, um, I guess, watchable slash competitive slash uh, inclusive enough for everybody. Listen, I'm on board for this plan. I think anything that gets us any type of team sport where I can sit down on my couch and finally watch sports again, I'm 100% on board. I understand the criticism. There's been talk of, well, why don't you reseed after the first round, right? So if eight plays nine and then... um you know, the winner is the nine instead of the eight. Why don't you reseed in order to make the least seed play the one and the top seed play, you know, the, you know, how, how it works in a normal playoff, uh, you know, bracket, so to speak. So if you're the one seed, right, you would, in the playoffs, you would get the least seed. You would get, in this case, the 12 seed because that's the least seed. If, the 12 seed is the is the it actually made it into the next round, right? So in that scenario, let's just say on the west side, uh, Chicago beats the Oilers, right? So now they're the 12 seed technically, but they knocked off the fifth seed, but they have to play the four seed. Well, wouldn't it be more fair if the one seed got to play the 12 seed? Yes, that's how it usually works in the playoffs, right? In the NFL, it continues to go until. Let's just say 
for like the sake of reliving everything, we know how good the Patriots were, right? They usually had the one seed, which meant they had a bye. But there's no bye in this scenario. But imagine after that week, right, the bye, the Patriots then get the least ranking remaining seed that comes to their uh, to their home field to play them. That's how normal playoffs work. Usually, being the best team awards you the least competitive team to play next because you balled out all season. Understandably so, we're in a heightened circumstances where the season was not complete, and therefore, we have this weird kind of cockamamie rules. I don't understand then why you're even seeding them to begin with if then your seeding becomes null and void once, you know, the like if in this scenario, the four seed would play the five or the 12, which would then be giving the four seed an advantage to play the worst playoff team in the picture. Again, I understand the criticism and I understand there's been people who have been very critical about this playoff formatting. But at the end of the day, I can't complain too much because if the hockey comes back and I believe their estimated return time um, was was July 6th, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, let me uh, back out here and, and see if it tells me the date. Um, no, there's no no date, apparently. But um, from what I read, I believe it was the the 6th of July would be the initial start back up for this supposed hockey uh, tournament for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, I'm 100% on board because it makes my life sitting at home better. If I'm stuck at home anyway, and there's hockey on in July, I'm definitely going to watch. And I think anybody, okay, and, and, and we can look around the world and um, like, for instance, the German soccer league, um, I'm not going to butcher the name. I don't know how to say it, but started up last weekend. And it was uh, on Fox Sports 1 and 2 super early in the morning because obviously it's Germany. So we're going to watch it in like 6 in the morning. Most of you probably weren't paying attention. But a huge percentage of Americans woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning to watch the German soccer league. And they had a huge increase in numbers. And Fox Sports was you know, on top of the world because they couldn't believe how many people woke up to watch sports because guess what, people? People are starving for sports. In fact, I think it's become such a nonpartisan issue, meaning that both Democrats and Republicans in um, our respective governors um, around the country and senators and all sorts of that crap are pushing for sports to come back because it helps keep people at home. If there's no fans allowed in the arenas, you're a, and you're basically saying, listen, no fans are allowed to go to any of these sporting events, but we want sports to come back because it keeps you at home. It keeps you in your couch watching television. I think that's why politicians want sports to come back, and that's why you haven't seen really any politician besides Gavin Newsom, who then retracted that statement he made about getting professional sports back because it they realize that if they can get professional sports back safely, they can make sure millions of Americans stay home and are on their couch watching games as opposed to being outside gallivanting around. If you don't want people to go to the beach, what make them watch baseball, make them watch uh, hockey, make them watch soccer, make, make them watch something, make them need to be at their house at a certain time. And that puts them, baseball would put them on their couch for about three hours. 
Um, and, and we're seeing people watch baseball. We're seeing people watch the Korean Baseball League. I know Major League Baseball is, uh, I guess, simulcasting that uh, those games on the MLB Network, if you have that. Uh, I haven't watched a single one of them. I'm not going to lie to you. But the fact is people are watching it because people are desperate for sports. So at the end of the day, I'm not complaining about the NHL's formatting. I think it's a, it's a rust decision. And to be overly critical about it after not having hockey for almost three months means that you have forgotten how twisted this whole thing has become and you need to go back and re-educate yourself and think about, okay, you know what? I'm missing hockey. I'm missing sports in general, and I just want to watch something. Anyway, another big news that happened in the NFL. Apparently, and I say apparently because Chris Sims, who um, reports for CBS, and uh, he's on Pro Football Talk with uh, Mike Florio, who I don't like. But anyway, I respect Chris Sims. I think he he does a pretty good job, especially with analysis of players. Um, he was spot on in the 2018 draft. I'm sorry, the 2019 draft on a lot of guys that people didn't see getting drafted in their particular spots. Uh, also, uh, he has good insight as being a former quarterback, and he understands like players and 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 I respect Chris Sims for his work. I wish he wasn't on CBS because I don't like CBS's, especially on Pro Football Talk because I can't stand Mike Florio. But again, I like Chris Sims. He comes out with this report saying that Dak Prescott was apparently offered a five-year deal worth $175 million that would pay him roughly $35 million a year. And apparently Dak didn't like it because he wants a specific, I think, four-year deal that's worth $45 million and a certain amount of that money guaranteed. And obviously that contract is more friendly towards the Cowboys because that fifth year they could essentially try to either make all his money guaranteed and front load it or maybe have some hidden on the back end where they could then cut him or ask him to resign or restructure. And uh, then that money would no longer be guaranteed. So that's why that whole thing got blown up. But then out of nowhere... Uh, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, or I always get him and uh, Rappaport and um, Adam Scheffner confused. They, they're like the same person, but they're just split. Like one works for the NFL Network and the other works for ESPN. It was Rappaport. He said that according to the, uh, the team side and Dak Prescott's agent, the report from at Chris Sims quarterback. So he literally tagged him in this in response is definitely not true. The two sides have never discussed such scenarios or anything like it. Dak wants a shorter deal. The Cowboys want a longer deal. July 15th is the deadline. So like I said before, it was a it was a 5-year deal. Dak wants a 4-year deal so that more of that money is guaranteed and less is left out there for him to burn. But again, you're turning down basically $35 million a year. He believes he's worth $40 million, and that's what he believes. If I'm Dallas, and if that report from Chris Sims is true, and Ian Rappaport is wrong, because Chris Sims reported it first, I don't know who his sources are. I'm just giving you folks the information that is publicly available to you. But I like Chris Sims, and Ian Rappaport has definitely been wrong before. If you're a Steelers fan, you know how many times 
Ian Rappaport was wrong on things that he said about Ben Roethlisberger. So it's not like this guy's ever been Mr. Right before. I don't, I'm not telling you to believe Chris Sims or believe Ian Rapport, but what I'm saying is if it is true that the, there was an $175 million contract given to Dak and Dak said, it's five years, I want four years, I'm not signing it, then if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, and I've talked about this before, and I have Andy Dalton, I am 100% thinking about cutting him and telling him to go test the open waters because you're jerking us around. I just offered you $175 million, and you told me to go pound rocks because it's too long. Again, I understand it's, it's a friendly contract towards Dallas, and Dak feels like he's getting slighted. But the old saying of, like, a bird in the hand is worth more than, you know, two in the bush or whatever, like, that's legitimately what's happening, and he is basically becoming a little bit greedy and a little arrogant in his, in what he believes his value is. Now, you could say that that's totally warranted, and I can tell you that maybe it isn't. But again, that's your opinion, but I'm just telling you, from what I've seen from Dak Prescott, I, as a general manager, if I was in charge, would not be willing to pay him more than what I just offered him. And he wants more. Dallas has a lot of mouths to feed, and they're already going to be in salary cap hell. So if I'm them, I'm totally comfortable with riding with Andy Dalton, who is a perfectly fine quarterback, who is basically another Alex Smith-type-like guy who is a game manager and can do good things with the football in his hands and make sure that you don't lose a game. And then you rely on the playmakers around you, who you have now a plethora of playmakers. You got C.D. Lamb. You have Amari Cooper. You have... Zeke, you have all these guys that could potentially help you in the long run. Why not tell Dak to go pound salt and go test the waters in a quarterback market that is absolutely pretty much zero right now? I mean, Cam Newton still can't get a job. And that's pretty much because he has yet to be able to go to a physical for any of these teams and, and actually get a physical to see if he's uh, medically able to help this team perform. But again, that's what's happening right now. We don't know. I don't know how much longer this is going to go on for. Obviously, we only have a couple more months before. Uh, basically, we have another uh, Le'Veon Bell type scenario where he doesn't sign his franchise tag, and he technically is no not a part of the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, the Cowboys can rescind the tag. They have that option to do so. I would do that if I was them. I would wait up until the July point, and when you had more leverage. And you would say, you know what? Cut the cord. Have fun. But you're not valuable to anybody but the Cowboys, really, because you know the system, and I don't think you're going to be a starting quarterback anywhere else. Maybe, maybe the Patriots sign him, but I guarantee you the Patriots don't want to pay him $175 million. I, I just don't think they want to. I think Belichick wants to find a guy on his own. That's just my take on it. I don't see anywhere else he could go where he's a starting quarterback in this league besides Dallas and maybe pay the Patriots. That's it. So again, it really comes down to dollars and cents here in the market, and the market is not good for Dak Prescott. Anyway, going to talk about some other crazy stuff that happened on CBS Sports of all places. So if 
you um, watch CBS Sports. I honestly do not. I, I really don't. I, I I have the guys that I go to for my stuff. Um, most of it's on Fox Sports. I love Fox Sports. I think they do a fantastic job. But Peter Prisco, who I guess is an analyst, I don't know much about him. He's on CBS Sports. He's making a top 100 player list. Okay, on that list of top 100 players. It does not include safety Minka Fitzpatrick, who was an absolute playmaker for the Steelers once the Steelers traded for him. Um, He went on to defend himself again today, stating that, or yesterday rather, stating that he watched the tape, he watched the games, and Jimmy Ward was a better safety. There were lots of safeties higher than him. And it, which is 100% ludicrous because Minka Fitzpatrick was in the running and the talks for Defensive Player of the Year. Not that he was going to win as opposed to who was the finalist in T.J. Watt and um, uh, what, what uh, God, blanking on his name, corner for the Patriots. Everyone knows him. Yeah. Anyway, we all know who won. But he was in that talk. He was in the talk of being a Defensive Player of the Year. And I think if he had gotten targeted more um, after that fifth interception because that's when teams really stopped throwing him the ball. I think I think I read a stat somewhere that said if he, after that fifth interception, he was targeted four times um, after that, just directly targeted four times after that, and he broke up one of those four passes. So again, huge, huge numbers, had a fantastic season. I personally had never seen in my life a player who was a basically a plug-and-play player from a different roster, put on another team, instantly make that team better. And here's the stats for those who don't know. So this is before and after the Minka trade. So before the Minka trade, which I believe there was three games in the season before they made the trade, and the Steelers gave up 30.5 points per game on average. They gave up... 320 passing yards per game on average and 125 rushing yards per game on average with a minus 32 point uh, point differential. Now, after the trade, the Steelers gave up 17.3 points per game. They gave up 176.7 passing yards per game and they gave up 107 yards on the ground per game with a plus 18 point differential. Okay, that is literally night and day. He cut the yards almost in half in the in the air. By all and all the Steelers did was replace one player on the team. They just inserted Sean Davis got hurt. You make a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, you put him in there, and your team is instantly better, and your defense is a top five defense in the league automatically. I've never seen anything like it. And I was a little Hesitant on the trade at the time. But I said, you know what this does? Even if it doesn't work out, it tells the team and it tells the ownership and it tells the fans that this team is not just going to roll over and die when Ben Rossberg got hurt. We're still going to make moves. And we're going to make this team better. And it worked. They went 8-5 and five and then it kind of fell apart at the end there, but not at any fault of the defense. 100% the fault of not having good quarterback play. So, again... Saying that Minka Fitzpatrick is not a top 100 player in the NFL 
is absolutely asinine. He was a top 10 defensive player in the NFL. He should instantly be on that list. I don't care where he is. He could be 100. He could be all the way up to 10. He needs to be somewhere in that mix. He's not the best player in the league, but holy hell, he's an all-pro safety and made a Pro Bowl. He should totally be a top 100 player in this league. Okay? Literally, all you have to do is just look at the all-pro team because there's 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 a second-team all-pro and a first-team all-pro. So right there, you have a whole a whole bunch of guys, basically almost 50 guys, that you can plug and play into the top 100. It should be very easy. The, the, the NFL already does it for you. They say, hey, here's a list of all pros, first and second team. So there you go. Ta-da. You now have 44 people. Oh, sweet. Thanks. I'll take those 44 people, and I'll put them on the top 100 players list because I've already have almost half the list completed. Thank you, NFL. But no. He went and took all those 44 people, subtracted Minka Fitzpatrick, and added a, you know, almost 60-some players more, you know, 56 more players that weren't good. So, or not that they weren't good. They weren't as good as him because they didn't make the all-pro team. So, again, Peter Prisco, absolute buffoon. I don't understand what, what it is with these hot takes. I don't understand why everybody has to have these hot takes around the Steelers. Like, this is a team who was literally a game away from making the playoffs without Ben Roethlisberger. And they had a, basically at the time, was a four-string quarterback named Duck Hodges, an undrafted rookie, who won a few games down the stretch. And, you know, the... the it, Cinderella turned back into a pumpkin, and, and that was the end of it. But in all honesty, how can we sit here and say that this team was a game away from making the playoffs, and they had an abysmal quarterback play, and then say, you know what, this team is a team that I don't trust anymore. All we have now is a two-time Super Bowl winning future Hall of Fame quarterback coming back who says his arms never felt better and was out there slinging balls around. And then got his hair cut, and then, you know, the governor of Pennsylvania wanted to wanted to weigh in and give a hot take. I mean, th there's nothing that the Steelers seem to do besides just be a beacon for hot takes and criticism, which makes no sense, except for one person. And that's one person who I love to listen to, and that's Daniel Jeremiah on the NFL Network. He says, I don't understand why everybody is sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm 100% in agreement with Daniel Jeremiah. And, and Bucky Brooks was with, with him too and said the exact same thing. You have playmakers on the defense at every level. You have two very good edge rushers. TJ Watt, who is, in my opinion, should have been Defense Player of the Year. Then you have a linebacking core that definitely got better and you're going to see, hopefully, a year two increase from Devin Bush, who's going to do less... Um, less thinking and more playing on the field. And now you have an absolute true playmaker who got snubbed off the top 100 list in Minka Fitzpatrick, who I think is only going to be better because now he's had, you know, almost a full year under his belt in the system. He's going to come back and he's going to be better in the defense. 
And that's going to make everybody better because guess what? It sure as shit did make everybody better. I just read you the stats. Just plugging him and playing him made the team statistically better. It, they, they were one of the worst defenses in the league, and then they became one of the best defenses in the league. And, and, and everyone's writing them off. I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody in the media just has a fit over the Steelers. But it doesn't matter. I'm telling you right now, the Steelers, they may not win the division, but they will definitely go to the playoffs. And in fact, I think they're going to give the Ravens a run for their money every time they play them. Because Lamar had his worst game statistically versus the Steelers. And the Steelers almost beat them with Duck Hodges in overtime. So again, remember that, all you Ravens fans and all those Lamar stands who just ooze just absolute trash on Twitter all the time. Just remember that when the season kicks off, and then we'll see what happens when you guys come to Heinz Field for Thanksgiving. Anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, remember to check out jagoffsports.com for all their articles, all their videos, all their posts. They put out great stuff. Uh, remember to follow the podcast. And remember to share the podcast, friends, families, cousins, dogs, uncles, aunts, whoever. Um, again, we're going to keep rolling. I want more sports to come back. I'm going to keep giving you guys updates on all the sports. I'm looking forward to the NHL, and we'll keep talking about that stuff and all, and all the things that are going to transpire um, in the future here. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and I will see you guys when I see you.